Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Okay, so I'm going to be reading today from my book, The Pesky Kids 3, Stuck in the Mud, and we're up to Chapter 25, The Heist. But before we begin, now this recording may sound a little bit different because I'm not at home where I normally record. I'm on the road for book week, which means I'm in Melbourne, and more specifically, I'm in a hotel room. And in case you didn't know, every room sounds different because, for example, I'm sitting right next to a fridge that's just started making noises right now. And also there's way less soft furnishings in the room than there would be if I was at home and soft furnishings sort of deaden the sound so there's no echo. So anyway, if it sounds different, that's why I'm away from home. Also, my voice probably sounds different because I've been doing so many presentations, talking loudly and doing voices for children. So bear with me. Hopefully in a week or two, I'll go back to sounding like a normal person. Anyway, here we go. The heist. Squelch, squelch, squelch. Tom could hear the mud sucking on his shoes as April led him towards the bank. But then, as soon as they stepped into the entranceway, he could feel it. The blessed relief of air conditioning. There's an old lady chair over there, said April. What's an old lady chair? asked Tom. You know, said April, banks and supermarkets have them. It's a place for old people to sit down so they don't fall over and sue everybody. You can go and sit on that while you cool down. They won't let me get in it muddy, whispered Tom. They won't know what to do about it, said April. The bank won't have a protocol for handling incredibly muddy children in the standard operator procedures that they force their staff to learn during employee training. Huh, said Tom. Trust me, said April. I've seen it a million times. It's human nature. The safer someone's job is, the less likely they are to take initiative. With air conditioning this good, no bank teller would want to jeopardise their job. The first teller who spots us won't feel confident enough to act unilaterally. He'll ask another teller what to do. Then they'll both ask the manager so that the blame's shared if the decision is wrong. Then finally, one of them will decide to tell us to leave. Then we go, asked Tom. No, said April. Then they'll have to come out from behind the secured area to do that, which will mean more fuss. So by the time someone's actually standing in front of us asking us to leave, we'll have been here 10 minutes and you'll have cooled down enough to continue the race. You've put a lot of thought into this, haven't you, said Tom. I'm surprised more people don't, said April. Knowing exactly what you can get away with is an important life skill. It is when you're as annoying as you are, said Tom. Exactly, said April, as she unclipped the lanyard. You can't have a personality like mine and not know the limitations of what people can and will tolerate. Luckily, the answer is usually a lot. Where are you going, asked Tom, panicking as he heard April's voice move away. To the water cooler to get you a drink, dimwit, said April. Tom could now hear the glug, glug, glug of the water cooler being used. What did you think I'd abandoned you, asked April, as she shoved the paper cup into his hand. I wouldn't put it past you, said Tom, taking a sip. 
The water was icy cold and tasted heavenly. It was filtered, so there was no chlorine or other chemical tastes you associated with tap water. But most importantly, it didn't taste like mud, which had been the only liquid in Tom's mouth in the last two hours. Hey, you two! Otella called out from the other side of the counter. You can't be in here covered in mud like that. You see, it only took them two and a half minutes, said April. I'm impressed. We should go, said Tom, finishing his drink. You need to cool down, said April. We won't go until they come out from behind the counter. That bulletproof glass might protect them from robbers, but it also protects us from them. You get in mud everywhere, called the other teller. We're having a medical emergency here, April called back. Why don't you just leave us alone? The two tellers went over to their manager in a back office, and they all muttered amongst themselves. April leaned against the wall next to Tom and waited. Just then, the door of the bank opened, and Mr. Chelsea from the Chelsea Bakery stepped in. He had a large cloth sack in his hand. He glanced at April and Tom. He had no idea who they were because they were covered in mud, but it was a small town, so it was best to assume they were nice, so he nodded politely. The bank manager finished her conversation with the two tellers. She called out across the counter, "'Hello, Mr. Chelsea. We'll be with you in a moment.' She had a less warm tone when she spoke to April. "'We'll call an ambulance for you.' "'Ha!' said April. "'Good luck with that. There's a massive mudslide blocking off the whole of Main Street, in case you hadn't noticed. There's no way an ambulance could get anywhere near the building. They'd have to push the gurney down the mudslide. Then you'd have even more mud in here.' You can't just stay there, said the manager. You're getting mud all over the carpet. At the very least, you could tie the dog up outside. Pumpkin was chewing on a captive pen that was dangling over the side of the counter. He was growling and trying to tug it off its chain. Mr. Chelsea gave them a wide berth as he made his way over to the teller. The local health inspector was a nasty man. It'd be just like him to spring a surprise inspection on Mud Run Day. He couldn't afford to get mud on his baking clothes. "'No,' said April. "'I don't have to. "'He's a therapy dog. "'I've got a certificate. "'He's allowed into shops and restaurants.' "'The bank manager peered over the counter at Pumpkin. "'He was a small moodle, "'but he looked particularly tiny now "'with all his fur caked flat with mud. "'I've never seen such a small guide dog before,' "'said the bank manager. "'He's not a guide dog for Tom,' said April. "'He's my therapy dog. "'He provides me with emotional support "'and helps me with my anger management issues.' "'Tom made a scoffing noise. "'Ha!' He doesn't do a very good job then. You're angry all the time. On the contrary, said April. You should have seen how angry I was before I got a dog. You're just making this up, accused the manager. Go on, you've had your laugh. You need to go. You'll have to come out here and make me leave, challenged April. But it won't look good for you in tomorrow's paper when there's the headline, Cruel Bank Manager Throws Out Sick Blind Boy. A newspaper headline would have more alliteration, said Tom. It would be something like, Mean Manager, Manhandles Blind Boy. You're not blind, remember, said April. It'd be Mean Manager, Monsters, Vision Impaired Victim. Now, wait a second. I haven't monstered anyone, said the bank manager, who was, to be fair, a genuinely nice middle-aged lady. She didn't look like she could intimidate a kitten. April had a brief pang of conscience. That's okay, said April, pushing off from the wall. He's cooled down now. We were about to leave anyway. Come on, Tom. Tom stood up, and April moved to reclip the lanyard. Bang! The door of the bank flew open, slamming into April's head as she bent over. She was knocked out cold. As she collapsed on the floor, the lanyard pulled Tom down on top of her. Neil, covered in mud, but still recognisable because of his unusually potato-shaped head, stepped into the bank. His eyes immediately fell upon April, prostrate on the ground. "'What did you do to her?' he demanded, grabbing Tom by his collar. "'I'm trying to win this race for her, and you've knocked her out.' "'I didn't do anything,' protested Tom, struggling to breathe. Neil had freakishly good wrist strength. 
You can't fight in here, protested the bank manager. She briefly considered making an attempt to pull the two boys apart. She had two sons of her own at home, so she was used to being called on to be the referee in impromptu rock and roll wrestling bouts. But she was wearing a newly dry-cleaned bank uniform. These two boys were just so dirty. Bang! Suddenly the bank door flew open again. This time it slammed into Neil's back and knocked him down on the floor. That's quite enough, said the manager, turning to confront the new arrival. No mud-covered people in the bank, please. This is a robbery, yelled the mud-covered person in a deep, raspy voice. Everyone, get down on the floor. We're already down on the floor, complained Tom, who was sandwiched between Neil and April. Just do as he says, says the manager. She called out to her staff on the other side of the counter. Follow your training. Then she lay down on the floor next to the mud-covered children. Hand over all the cash, the robber yelled at the first teller. Whack! The bandit screen flew up. I told you to do what he says, cried the manager. No, you told us to do what we've been taught in training, called the teller. Her voice was muffled by the bandit screen. And we were trained to trigger the bandit screen when an intruder enters the bank. The police have been automatically notified. They'll be here soon. I thought Constable Pike was doing the mud run, said Tom. It'd be hard for him to find us amongst all the other mud-covered people. The robber looked around desperately. There was no chance of getting cash from the tellers now, but Mr Chelsea was holding a brown hessian sack, the type small businesses use when they deposit their take-ins. You, ordered the robber, give me that sack. No, please, said Mr Chelsea. Do you have any idea how many buns I've had to make for this? The mud run is my biggest week of the year. This is the only chance I've got of covering the prize money. Give me the sack, demanded the robber. Having gone to all the trouble to rob the bank, there was no way the thief was leaving empty-handed. Just do it, urged the manager. You'll be covered by insurance. April staggered to her feet. She was still disorientated after the bang on her head. It's all right. I'll take him out. She lurched towards the bank robber, but she was pulled up short by the lanyard and fell backwards, landing flat on her back. What happened? She asked groggily. Did someone just attack me? I think you attacked yourself, said Tom. The bank robber used the distraction to wrench the sack from Mr. Chelsea's hands, then fled out the door. Quick, someone do something, moaned Mr. Chelsea. April ran over to the front door, dragging Tom with her. She looked out onto the street. She was looking for a mud-covered person running away from her. The problem was, there was a mud run going on, so there were several hundred mud-covered people running down the street. They all looked exactly the same, dripping with thick brown mud. Loud music was blaring to encourage the athletes, but it just meant there was no way of crying out for help. April took off running, pulling Tom along. "'Where are we going?' asked Tom. "'We've got to get to the finish line and alert the authorities,' said April. "'Or at the very least, turn off this stupid music so we can find the thief.'" And that is the end of the chapter. So we'll leave it there. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>